Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History puddle. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UncoverGreg. Joined, as always, by my partner in crime. You know him on gambling Twitter as Showtime himself. I know him as Matt Siegel. It's at Showtime Cappers for all of his gambling picks. It, this is a very special Super Bowl edition of Full Slate. As uh, unfortunately, with some of the news that has occurred in the sports world, namely the passing of Kobe Bryant, I feel like the Super Bowl kind of snuck up on us, Matt. But here we are now, recording on a Thursday morning. We're just three days away from the big game. Greg, you know, it's really upsetting, but it's just a matter of fact of what you just said. The Super Bowl really snuck up on us. Obviously, tragic news about Kobe Bryant struck the sports world and the world itself Sunday, and that is carried really into this week. And, I mean, you know, it'll still keep carrying, I'm sure, at the Super Bowl. They will obviously honor Kobe Bryant with a moment of silence in some other way, as they should. But like you said, it, it, you know, it really hasn't been much talked about on, on SportsCenter and all the talk shows as much as it usually would this week, it would just be Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl every single day. But obviously, that wasn't the case. Yeah, so uh, it did kind of sneak up on us. And obviously, uh, you know, um, not that anybody is looking for things to 
speed along this way where you don't just talk about the Super Bowl and there's another thing. If there were another topic in the sports world that filled the time that were not nearly as tragic, then that would be great. But uh, nobody's looking for uh, that news. And so that obviously caught everybody off guard. But nonetheless, we will roll on and talk some Super Bowl as uh, we're going to break down the side, break down the total, and uh, give you a few props as well. I guess let's just start by, uh, you know, saying this is obviously a number that has floated around a little bit. Kansas City has been short favorites. Uh, I have never seen it as low as Pickham. I've never seen it as high as three. You know, I've seen as low as one and as high as two, really. So this number has just kind of been sitting, you know, in a zone that basically is saying whoever you like you're probably going to like to win the game. And so, um, Matt, I suppose uh, just from a uh, gambling standpoint, uh, it's probably the type of thing where if you like San Francisco, you just play them on the money line. And if you do like Kansas City, you probably swallow the point just for uh, some better value. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I I agree with that 100%. So let's get to it then. On that note, um, Matt, I'll let you start. Uh, Let's start with the side. Who do you like? Greg, I am picking the San Francisco 49ers. I believe I was on air a couple pods back talking about the Chiefs. And then, you know, I came into the, the, the conference games. I picked the Chiefs. I picked the Niners when we gave our pick. After that, I said the Niners, and I'm sticking with the Niners again. To me, Greg, this is real simple. I really don't even need to talk much. The Niners are just the more overall complete team. It is no secret that the Chiefs have the best offensive player and the best player in the game in Patrick Mahomes. They probably have the second best offensive player in Tyreek Hill on the field. So we know what their offense is capable of. We know how lethal they are. We know how fast those wide receivers are. And, and, and we know Patrick Mahomes can run a little, as we've seen sure. in the past couple games in the playoffs. But nonetheless, they still finished as the third-scoring offense this year, Greg. Behind who? The San Francisco 49ers. Everyone wants to talk about the San Francisco 49ers defense and how amazing it is. And that's great, because it is amazing. They have a great defensive front. They have the best defensive player in the game. Joe, in Nick Bosa, excuse me, and they still have a very, very efficient offense. They have three running backs that they can pound the ball yeah. up the gut, to the left, to the right. They can stick a wide receiver back there. They run motion on 75% of their plays. I'm sure a lot of people who more so follow their team rather than follow other teams, especially like the Niners who are West Coast. So a lot of times they're playing maybe a four o'clock game or whatnot, or you just weren't really into their game. Everyone's now seeing what this motion they run before the snap really does. It really does distract the teams and the defenses. And there's a reason why they're so efficient and they do it on 75% of their plays when the next closest team was the Ravens at around like 55%. So they're doing things that most offenses don't do. I mean, they won the game last week handily. They're up 27 nothing on the Packers. Jimmy G ended up only throwing eight throws, eight passes. I mean, they yeah. just couldn't stop the run. We've seen this Chiefs defense being gashed by running backs. However, they have been pretty stout. The past couple weeks, they did make some adjustments against Derrick Henry, but this Niners rushing attack is very different. They have a key piece, and his name is George Kittle. George Kittle is an amazing blocker. We spoke about this. I spoke about this at least two weeks ago when we were breaking down the Packers and Niners. George Kittle, frankly, is a better blocker than half the offensive linemen in the league. So they really have something, and... They have that fullback that they use for blocking. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name because I won't get it right. Kyle Juszczyk, there you go. I got it. And I just can't say enough about the keyword I'm using is how efficient their offense 
is, sure. you know, the Chiefs can score very, very quickly, but the Niners can wear you down, control the clock, and ultimately they their best defense will be keeping that golden arm of Patrick Mahomes on the bench, Greg, and I really think that they have the team built to do it. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you've said. Uh, I remember I, I was surprised, though. I was expecting you were going to stick with Kansas City. Uh, I've been in on San Francisco, really, all the way back in August. I bet them over their win total. Uh, and obviously that one cashed with relative, not relative, extreme ease. Um, and, you know, you look at what they do, and, and, and on both sides of the ball, they just win the line of scrimmage. And I don't care if they have Jimmy Garoppolo and say what you want about him in this kind of game. If you can dominate the line of scrimmage that they, the way they do, then you're going to win the majority of games you play. And that's something that, uh, you know, you can't forget, despite the fact that obviously Patrick Mahomes is the far superior quarterback here. This game reminds me a lot to harken back to a previous Super Bowl. This game reminds me a lot of the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers Super Bowl, where, yes, Denver was quarterbacked by Peyton Manning, but everyone knew on his last that Peyton Manning was on his last legs and uh, basically managing the game. I won't go as far as to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is a game manager, but we all know that, you know, at that, especially in that season, Carolina had Cam Newton, who was the MVP. And while Lamar Jackson is the MVP in the NFL this year, uh, Patrick Mahomes certainly playing at that kind of level. Uh, but how did Denver win that game? They had a great running attack, and uh, Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP that year. They were in Cam's grill all day, and uh, they never really let that Panthers offense uh, get going the way that it did earlier in the playoffs. I remember that NFC Championship wasn't even close. Carolina just absolutely slaughtered Arizona. So uh, I think that we see a similar type matchup here where we're going to see that San Francisco defensive line really swallow up Mahomes, and uh, then you're going to see Kansas City brought out of its element a little bit because I know that the first quarter against Houston and, and even for most of the first half against Tennessee, they were able to kind of find their way after they got down. Um, but gosh, I really question. I mean, Matt, let me ask you, how much of a different game is the AFC championship if Patrick Holmes does not have that rushing touchdown at the end of the first half? I mean, it's hard to say, Greg, because they, they really are such a lethal offense. And let's be real. The Titans had a great run, but – the Titans' pass defense was was bottom bottom twenty was like ranked like twenty fourth in the NFL. So, it, to me, it was kind of only really a matter of time in that game before the Chiefs got going, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean that that rushing touchdown was just a huge momentum swing and turning point and life into the Chiefs. That's for sure. You know, and another thing that I think is important to remember here, I heard this stat this week, and I like it a lot. The Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes have not faced a defense in the top six in sack in the NFL. And, of course, San Francisco as a team, you know, yes, Nick Bosa is the best player on their defense, but they are loaded up front and can throw a lot of different players uh, at you on that D-line that can get after the quarterback. Third, or I'm sorry, fourth in the NFL in sacks per game are the 49ers. And what have we seen in both of the 49ers playoff games? Especially now that they got guys back, Jaquaski Tart in the secondary, Quan Alexander on the linebacking core, and D. Ford on the D-line. Complete unit, and speaking specifically to its pass rush, they really swallowed up Kirk Cousins' and Aaron Rodgers. And while Green Bay with Aaron Jones was a little more effective running the football this year, we saw, especially in the Minnesota game, that when they ate Kirk Cousins alive the way they did and had the lead, I mean, it's very difficult for your offense to throw different looks at teams. And, you know, we know that Kansas City is not the best rushing offense in the league. They're obviously very reliant on Mahomes and their weapons. So, Matt, to me, this is just as simple as if you like the San Francisco defense to win the matchup 
against Mahomes and the Kansas City offense, you probably like San Francisco to win the game and vice versa, where if you think Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City weapons are going to get the better of the San Francisco defense, then you probably like Kansas City to win the game. I hate to just completely ignore the San Francisco offense against the Kansas City defense, but don't you think it kind of just comes down to who wins that matchup between Mahomes versus the San Francisco defense? Yeah, and I think that's essentially because we're all in agreement with the rest of the world that, yeah, the Chiefs defense has been solid, but they're not going to stop the Niners offense. The big question mark is who will prevail? The best defense in the NFL or the best offense in the NFL? The, you know, or, or, or very close to it. You know, if they want to, if you're not going to say they're statistically number one, whatever. On the eye test, I think most people would say they're number one. And in, in recent history, the defensive team and the better defense has prevailed in this matchup. And, that, and, and that's why I mentioned the Denver and Carolina game, because not saying that Carolina that year was so explosive to the degree of Kansas City, but certainly Cam Newton had the best season of his career. And obviously they got to the Super Bowl behind him. Uh, and, and it does just feel like uh, this is where uh, the the collective unit of San Francisco's defense wins out against. And, and obviously, we know that Kansas City has a lot of weapons, too. This isn't just Mahomes making guys look good the way Tom Brady did early in his career. Um, but and I, I will say that I do think that could be the concern, because if there is a weakness on this San Francisco defense, uh, they're Akelio Witherspoon, their other corner opposite Richard Sherman got benched in the Minnesota game. So if Kansas City is able to find some matchups and give Mahomes time in the secondary opposite Richard Sherman, uh, then that could be where they're able to move the football more. Uh, But I just don't see it. I think this uh, Niners team is playing as a unit on both sides of the ball. We talk a lot about their defense, but, you know, Matt, you kind of hit on it. They're very efficient offensively. They use a lot of different running backs. I don't know about you, but I slightly lean to George Kittle over Travis Kelsey um, as the best tight end in the NFL. Um, and we've also seen the emergence of some of their weapons. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, I thought that was a smart trade that they made in the middle of the season. And uh, Debo Samuel is, I, I think, a young emerging weapon for them in the offense who we've seen them use in end arounds and just mix up and get the football to in different ways because he's a pretty explosive, dynamic playmaker. And, and let's not forget, too, that we have two of the better offensive minds coaching-wise in the National Football League. So if we're of the mindset that San Francisco's personnel is just going to win out defensively against Kansas City's offense, I don't think Kansas City is going to be able to win a low-scoring game because we still are talking about Kyle Shanahan, and he's a mind that is able to maximize what he has on offense, and I think he's done that this year. Yeah, Greg. I, I mean, I, I can't really dispute anything you said. Even George Kittle, that might be the only point. I might side with Travis Kelsey, but George Kittle is a beast. I mean, it's comparing apples to oranges at that point. Right. I would take either of them on my team. Let's go to the total where we are sitting now at uh, 54.5. This number has been bet up from the opener. Uh, a lot of 51.5s were out there on Championship Sunday night. After the matchup was set, I'll start on this, uh, and I'll be honest, I I think this is a side total correlation where if you like San Francisco, you probably like the under, and if you like Kansas City, you probably like the over. And and so I do like this game under, and I've been waiting, and I'm going to continue to wait for the full game total to see where it goes. I have already bet the first half under at 27, uh, and I'm keeping an eye on the full game total. I'm, I'm waiting it out. Uh, for a lot of the reasons I just said, like, I think San Francisco wins a lower scoring game as far as, you know, Chiefs standards. I think this game ends up something like 24-20, maybe 24-17. One possession for San Francisco with the 49ers scoring somewhere in the 20s. And therefore, I think we have a lot of wiggle room on the under. Uh, I actually like this play. If you said you can only bet the side or the total, I would probably sooner bet the total just because um, – Based on the scores I just gave out, there's more wiggle room there with the under than there is the side. Uh, So I I like this game under. I think San Francisco, we've obviously seen them on offense show a lot of running, and and that's what they do. And so that obviously keeps the clock moving. Uh, And, you know, I know they gave up 20 points last week, but they had the lead on Green Bay. And, you know, I think that was some there was some junk time 
involved there to a certain degree. Uh, and I think the Minnesota game is a lot more emblematic of the kind of game we're going to get from this Niners defense where uh, they just followed up Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook uh, and save for the, the big play to Stephon Diggs. There really wasn't much of anything for the Vikings. And, you know, I, I have no reason to think that a 49ers defense that had some guys out before the playoffs, those guys are healthier now. I have no reason to think that they aren't going to rule the day here. Uh, and if that's the case, then I have to like the game under the total. Another thing to consider here, uh, which, you know, this isn't a huge factor because I think this is pretty crazy that, that I heard this week that in the prior 53 Super Bowls, there have been 27 overs and 26 unders. So it's pretty wild to think that the odds makers could be that on and it could be that balanced out over the years. Uh, so maybe this isn't a huge factor, but, you know, I think one of the things we've talked about and, and a lot of talk shows have touched on is that we're kind of seeing a little bit of a changing of the guard this year in the National Football League. Yes, we had Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers square off in the divisional round. But other than that, you know, this 49ers team really came out of nowhere and has emerged as a team that looks to certainly be a force to be reckoned with, not just in 2019, but in the 20s moving forward. And ditto for the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes is certainly a young quarterback, somebody that we think is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL for quite a while. So it looks like we've seen a little bit of an emergence here as far as the NFL. We'll see about the Tennessee Titans, and if their run was more of a flash in the pan, they got to take care of some free agents. Uh, but Derrick Henry's that, out of there, isn't he, Greg? Well, we'll see. And Ryan Tannehill, too, is a free agent. So Got to we'll, sign him, though. You have to, I would think. And we'll just see what avenues they travel down there in the Music City. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I think we're starting to see a changing of the guard. And the point I'm getting at there is you have guys now that almost, I think, 85 90% of these guys have never played in the Super Bowl. So I think that also lends itself to a first-half look. Maybe you get some nerves early on. Receivers dropping some passes they would normally catch, uh, getting some jitters out. Uh, so I, I like the under. Yeah, Greg, I'm going to have to go against you on this one. I booked the over actually right when it came out pretty much. I even missed the number uh, a little bit, but I did get 53 and a half now up to 54 and a half in my mind, crossing over the key, no a key number of 54 in NFL totals. Glad you mentioned that though, because it's also happy why as somebody that likes the under, I was able to wait. Uh, and, and now I'm seeing 54 and a half, but yeah, I mean, what are, so before you continue your handicap, like what are some key numbers that you really, people really should look out for, for totals? Cause I think we all know three and seven for the side, uh, but for totals, uh, why don't you elaborate a little bit more on that? Just to kind of educate some people, you know, obviously we know how the scores work with seven and three. So you just kind of got to think about scores in, in your mind, about like what a potential score could be. That's when I, when I'm always betting a total, right? Because it's not like a side where I don't care if they win by one or they win by twenty. When I'm betting a total, I want to put it in my mind. Okay, I think it's going over. Then what does that mean? I'm putting the final score at, or vice versa. So for here, in my mind, I can easily see this game being like a, a, a thirty to twenty-seven game, field goal game, and that's fifty-seven points. So if I'm getting over fifty-three and a half. To me, I'm over. I can see them both scoring 30. But to your question, some key numbers I would say, obviously a low key number would be, the lowest would be like 40, you know, when we have the real low totals. That's a sure. very interesting number when you see 40, and then when it bounces around to 39 or 41, often you see it bounce right in the middle there. Another key one, then I would say bump up to 44, and yep. then 48, and then 42, I mean, and then 52. A lot of numbers that end in two and four, I feel like, are key numbers from the 40 to the 54 range. Once you get past the 54 range or under the 40 range, that's kind of just like the extremes, and they don't the totals don't really go much much higher or much lower. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with a lot of that. And you know, we're talking about 54. 
sure enough, in the NFC Championship, final score was 34-20. So it's just easier to drum up some scores that uh, end in those fours. And I think we've seen, I think 51 has been a pretty commonly landed total as well. You know, you think about, you know, 31-20, 27-24, those are scores that land a good deal. So um, just uh, something I think that's interesting and probably not thought about as much because obviously I think three and seven on, on point spreads are numbers that we, you know, everybody can kind of realize are important, but uh, totals as far as key numbers there, I don't think uh, that runs through as many people's minds. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I think it's just, I think the more so is, Oh, are these guys going to score a lot of points? Oh, are are these two defenses? Right. I think it's a very simple outlook and, and here, you know, I hate to sound simple, but, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, it's real it does it is simple for me. It's too good to be stopped. They could could they be slowed down by this Niners defense? Sure. But they're too good to be stopped, too good to be limited. They will get their points. And on the flip side, I think the same thing. The Niners offense is too efficient. They're too good. And the Chiefs defense just isn't as good as the Niners defense. If if the Chiefs had the Niners defense, then maybe I'd be looking towards the under. But in my opinion, I don't see the Chiefs slowing down the Niners' offense, and I don't see the Niners completely shutting down the Chiefs' Chiefs' offense. So entail, even if it does start how the other games have started, Niners are with the Chiefs where Titans up to an early lead, Texans up to an early lead. So even if it's 14-0 Niners, the Chiefs aren't done. They're not going away. They're going to be passing the ball. Mahomes will throw the ball 50-plus times, and they're going to get their points. They really are because – at that point, it could just be a track race, and they could be just trading off scores. And I really think that that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I I just don't know, and and who maybe this is a game like San Francisco and New Orleans, where we saw in the regular season, and that, certainly not that high scoring. That was in the forties, but um, maybe we can see Jimmy Garoppolo win a a shootout type game. I just think if I'm San Francisco, at least to start. Now, I do think, and I'll get to my props in a minute. Do you think there are going to be a big play here or there for the Niners? I just think uh, Kyle Shanahan with two weeks will find a way to hit a big play along the way. Uh, but I think the large majority of what San Francisco has done the last couple of weeks has worked so well uh, that I, I see that continuing. I mean, Matt, it sounds like you're confident that the Niners can win 31-28 here, which I'm not sure I am as much as the Niners better. Yeah, I'm confident they can win 31-28. And I'll tell you why, though. I'm confident that they'll be up enough that this is not Jimmy G against Patty Mahomes. This is Patty Mahomes trying to come back and not accomplishing what he was able to do against a Texans defense and a Titans defense. This is a San Francisco 49ers defense. It's a very different defense. You go down three scores. Good night, Kansas City Chiefs. I promise you that, Greg. So on that note, uh, I want to shift gears and we'll talk some props now as uh, we'll wrap up our Super Bowl preview. Looking at some props, Matt, first I want to ask you, uh, and I know that before we hopped on here, you said you didn't have many props. So I guess I can see where you're going with this answer, but I'll ask it anyway. The Super Bowl is obviously, there's a lot more out there to, to, to be had, a lot more options to nibble with when it comes to your prop markets. And with that, there's obviously the novelty props and the the fun ones, Gatorade color, coin toss, uh, you know, really all sorts of different funky stuff that can be, you know, national anthem. So do you look at those like is that something that you will just say, ah, oh, you know, for fun, it's the Super Bowl. You can't bet this stuff anytime, you know, anywhere else in the NFL season. I'll do it just for fun. Or do you look at it? and try and come up with a serious angle or, or, or is it completely stay away territory? Yeah, Greg, this is all completely fun novelty just for added enjoyment in the game. There's way too many props, way too many players. It's the Super Bowl. way too many moving pieces. You know, you can look for some angles, right? Like I understand the Niners, you know, their 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 pass defense. They've allowed the most passing yards this year. So if you want to look at a player or two on the Chiefs over their receiving yards, sure. If you want to bet on Patrick Mahomes over his 
passing yards or his touchdowns, I have no problem with you betting on the best player in the NFL and, and betting on him to succeed in the big moment, which I think he will. But nonetheless, I think a lot of these are crapshoots, and they should just be treated more for fun. And I will have more props day of, you know, kind of just all lunch money props, just little here and there. Like I said, though, it's really hard because – there's just so many moving pieces. Game planning for this game is two weeks out. Remember, it's the Super Bowl. You know, you can't really be going hard on a prop here because when the game starts, their game plan can totally change based off of, you know, the first couple minutes. So it's really, really hard to dissect the props. In my opinion, at least, I would rather not be putting big money there. However... I have found a prop that I do really like, and I might consider putting a full unit, not lunch money on it, and that's over two and a half passers for the game. So now what does that mean? That means obviously more than three people need to throw a pass throughout this more game. More than two. I mean, excuse me, more than two people. So yes, we need a total of three people to throw a pass. Obviously, we know we're going to get two. This just has to come down to do we see a trick play or even, you know, God forbid, because I would never wish this, but even if a quarterback goes down for one play or two and another quarterback comes in and throws a pass, we would win this play. At Sitting at plus 125, I think it's pretty solid odds with the trick plays we have seen in the recent years, specifically, you know, in this playoffs as well. With two teams like this, I really think that they're great teams, great coaching staffs, Great schemes, and one of these teams at one point in this game, I think, will need a play like this to spark their team and get themselves back into it. And I could see that being the Kansas City Chiefs, Greg. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm not in love with this because what we've seen from these teams, I mean, listen, Kansas City has the best quarterback in the NFL. I don't know that they necessarily need, and sure enough, in their two playoff games, they have come from behind and gotten sparks from Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know that they necessarily need another player to throw the ball in order to punt fake counts too, Greg. Punt fake, that's true. That's true. I uh, you know that that's also something to consider. Um, though you could sometimes have pump fakes be running plays. Uh, and then from the San Francisco side, like again, like I I, I just don't know. In, in some ways, I think if they are going to have a big day through the air, it's going to be because uh, Jimmy Garoppolo kind of says not so fast like I, I can still hang with Patrick Mahomes and maybe you will hit your over that way uh but I, I'm not I just don't love it like there's there's nothing about this that makes me uh, yes I mentioned both these guys are kind of uh you know offensive minded head coaches so maybe they have something up their sleeves uh but when you have the best quarterback in the NFL on one team and a really run heavy team on the other side then I'm not sure that we're going to get that third passer, but certainly I wish you nothing but the best and we'll certainly be rooting for you. Appreciate that, Greg. Um, I want to get to a couple of my props and I have a little bit more uh, in the prop market that I'm looking at. Uh, first off, this is just a, uh, a, a little classic contrarian play that I like. And, you know, you're not, I'm, I'm a firm believer teams and players, you know, when you have a, elite elite performance or a really bad performance you're never as bad as you looked that day or you're never as good as you looked that day and it's probably somewhere in between and so when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers this is where I'm going with that prop and what did we see on in the NFC championship Raheem Mostert has a massive day on the ground over 200 rushing yards he had and now I think we are getting a lot of value to go under his rushing prop 77 and a half is the number I booked under for Raheem Mostert Matt take a guess how many times in the regular season Raheem Mostert went over this number four three 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 and two I change those- it I got that <laughs> two of those three were also all the way back in September. So, Craig, long- I just want to throw a disclaimer there that the Niners had like this weird like cycle of running backs, right? 
they used each running back for like a few games. And then they were like, all right, all right, see you, dude. And then they started using another one for like three or four games. Do you think there was like any method to that madness? Like how did that work? Why? Yeah, and that's also part of my handicap, actually. Like, yeah, Matt, I mentioned the, the running back rotation in San Francisco. really seen it all to be used. And Coleman, Raheem, Mostert, and Matt Breida. I think the only reason, and this is, again, why I think this is an inflated Mostert, and why I like it under 77 and a half rushing yards. The reason we saw him get more work, well, there were two reasons. One, he was just hot, right? Like, he was having the best game of his career. Four touchdowns, 220 yards, and he gets 29 carries against the Packers. And two, Tevin Coleman goes down, so they were they weren't able to use that same rotation that they've been all season. Looks like Tevin Coleman is on track to play this week. Limited participant practice on Wednesday is a good sign that early in the week. And when we look at most of attempts the rest of the games, including the Minnesota playoff game, he's been in the six to thirteen carry range. And so if that's the case, and that's what I'm anticipating here, I don't see how he gets over seventy-seven and a half rushing yards. Uh, so. Give me Kevin Coleman playing. Give me a, a Kansas City rush D that has actually been better. Derrick Henry only had 69 yards in the AFC Championship. And I really like this play under 77.5 for most certain. Yeah, Greg, you really made me a believer on it. I don't hate it, especially with what he's been doing as of recent. Could be used as a big decoy, Greg. Will exactly. be real interesting to see after that game against the Packers with Jimmy G. And what he did, and Raheem Moster, and to see, does Jimmy G wear the cape in the Super Bowl when it, he's not expected to? I don't know, Greg. I don't know. But it seems pretty fitting to me. I have a couple more problems quickly. Uh, here's two on the same player that I like. I mentioned Debo Samuel and how he has really emerged as a young on-the-rise playmaker for the 49ers and somebody that I do think in fantasy drafts in 2020 will be a nice value play. I like him over 57.5 receiving yards, and I also like him to score a touchdown at plus 153. Matt, you mentioned Jimmy G. And I do think that San Francisco, while I still like the game, under the total, excuse me, I do think that we're going to see San Francisco be a little bit more aggressive and take a few more shots. And what does that mean to me? I think that means you go to your big playmaker on the outside, and that's Debo. I also think for your passing prop that this is an interesting target where maybe he's the guy that throws it on an end around because we've seen them mix him up and use him in different ways. Uh, I think they're going to get him the ball. He's a big yards-after-catch guy, so – Early on, especially, I could see a couple of short throws to him where he picks up a first down and runs for another 10, 15 yards after the catch. Uh, I just think he's going to be uh, the leading receiver, actually, for San Francisco. I'll take it one step further. I think he will have more yards than George Kittle. Debo Samuel, over 57.5 receiving yards, and will score a touchdown at plus 153. I just think he's going to have a big game, uh, and this Chiefs defense— uh, is going to be so tuned in on the running game for San Francisco that it is going to open up some opportunities for some bigger plays in the pass game. And I think if it, we're talking big plays in the pass game for the Niners, that means Debo. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, Debo. And I really wouldn't sleep on Emmanuel Sanders here. I, I, I think he could have I, – I, I really think Jimmy G, like I just alluded to, I really think that Jimmy G – could wear the cape in in this game. People don't give him credit. I think people forget that that uh, Saints game he won, and I really right. wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy G played a big role in this in this victory and uh, took home the MVP. Greg, I would look towards MVP as well if you like the Niners, considering most of the time a quarterback is the MVP of the Super Bowl. I I'll get to the MVP in a, a minute. That's part of my prop package. Uh, but I do have – my MVP play is obviously more of just a sprinkle. Uh, but I do have one more one-unit prop. And I'm going to go over Patrick Mahomes' rushing yards. 35-and-a-half is what I – Love that, Craig. I love that. And, you know, thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. You know, if we're of the mindset here, and I think both of us are, that San Francisco's pass rush is going to be able to wreak havoc and they're going to be able to get into the Kansas City backfield, then Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be running for his life a little bit more than he would like. And I say running for his life because at this number, at 35 and a half, 
you think about the scrambles where, you know, the play breaks down and you just take five yards and you get out of bounds, right? Well, those add up when you just need them to get in the mid-30s as far as rushing yards. And so that, coupled with the fact that, I mean, everybody watched that game and saw that run against Tennessee. This is a guy that, while he can pick you apart from the pocket, He's a capable runner. Like, this is not Tom Brady. I mean, that that's, that much is true. He's, he's a good enough athlete to make plays with his legs. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a few designed runs or if one of these plays that does break down becomes more than just a five-yard scramble out of bounds and he turns it into a 20 or 25-yard gain. I, I, I think Patrick Mahomes over rushing yards is a good look, and uh, I know you said you like it, uh, so I'm curious if that's uh, something that you could find yourself on come Sunday night. Yeah, definitely something I could find myself on. Um, that That is something interesting that I like, and again, you know, I think their defense is good. I think it's going to be a great emphasis on it, but g- excuse me, what did you say the number was again? I got 35 and a half. I know that might have been a high number. I think some shops are offering it lower. Um but, yeah, I mean, look, that could be two runs, right? That could be a 16-yard yeah, yeah. run and a 20-yard run. Right. That's not crazy because when he does typically break to run, it's because they're giving him man coverage, right? So if you want to give him man coverage and if they do stay with the receivers, he's going to beat you on the ground. And, and especially, I'm glad you mentioned that because let's think about the Chiefs. They're obviously guys that, you know, Tyree Kill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardman, guys that can really burn you down the field. So if we're talking about man coverage, then there could easily be one or two plays here where they're running, you know, fly patterns and going for deep passing plays. And that sends this, that flushes the secondary way down the field and all of a sudden opens up 15, 20 yards for Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in both games. He ironically had 53 yards both games. Um and, and he had a long run against the Titans of 27 yards. And he had a long run against the Texans of 21 yards. So essentially exactly what we're talking about, I think will exactly happen again. I think he's going to rush the ball around seven or eight times like he did in these first two games and accumulate around 50 yards. I don't really see why he can't break off 120 yarder and then have a few four, five, six, seven-yard rushes here and there for around seven yards. I mean, seven carries and 50 yards, average around seven to eight yards a carry. I I, I think this is an amazing prop, Greg, and I'm really going to look to add it. The only thing that would scare me would be that this defensive line with Nick Bosa, that's the one person that would scare me. The thing is, Patrick Mahomes is too good And his legs will come into a factor here. Why? Because his arm is that good. And the receivers are that good. So it's not even like he's a Lamar Jackson runner. Now, don't get me wrong. Mahomes is a solid runner. But his running room and his running yards are created by the speed of his receivers and his ability to read the defense and make the quick decisions, right? Because if you're in a zone... He's going to sit and he's going to find that spot. He's going to throw the ball right through that zone. He is the best quarterback in the NFL, and he is approaching the territory of the most talented quarterback to ever play a game in the NFL. I really believe so. Yeah, I mean, listen, you you said a lot there, and I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of it. And the other thing, too, about him – is for his age, he's a smart quarterback, and this plays to my prop, too. We talk about the four or five-yard uh, nothing there, just get out of bounds, right? Well, first off, those add up. So, you know, if you, if you just get two of them, you could have 10 yards right there. And secondly, he's not one of those quarterbacks, at least that I've noticed, that when there's nothing there, he'll try and do too much and, you know, run around behind the line of scrimmage and take, like, a 15-yard loss. Like, I haven't seen that from him. If there's nothing there, he's smart enough to take the five, take the six yards, and move on to the next play. Yeah, his IQ is insane. Right, so I don't think we're going to have that big, fatal, negative rush that really hurts this prop, which is another reason I like it. Lastly, I want to talk about my Super Bowl MVP play, and this is just a sprinkle— And I do understand that quarterbacks 
normally win this award. But what did I talk about at the beginning of our podcast? A Super Bowl that I think this is going to remind at least me of. Probably not as much you, Matt, because you like the over. But I think this is going to be similar to Carolina and Denver when the Denver defense suffocates Cam Newton. And what does that mean? Well, who was the MVP that year? It was Von Miller coming off the edge. And while we can talk about Nick Bosa, and he is the most talented player on the San Francisco defense, writers are voting on this award. They like storylines. They like narratives. There are plenty of writers that would love to write the column about the D. Ford revenge game and that is where I am going on this I have been salivating over this for two weeks I have booked D Ford at 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl MVP obviously this is a lunch money play but I'm just going in the mind of somebody I studied journalism in college I work in radio now and I can tell you that there are plenty of people in that press box writers that vote on this award that like I said would love to write about not just D. Ford getting revenge against his former team, the Kansas City Chiefs, but let's not forget that D. Ford was the player who lined up offside in last year's AFC Championship game, uh, costing the Chiefs a berth in the Super Bowl one year ago. Now he's on the other side, perhaps <coughs> vilify the Kansas City Chiefs. I just love the narrative here, and you're going to give me 100-1? to 1? I'm absolutely going to take a flyer on that. So if the game plays out the way I believe it will, then I don't think an offensive player, I mean, maybe there is a Debo Samuel big play and maybe he has a chance to win the MVP. But I do think that the storyline prevailing from this game is going to be that the San Francisco defense got the better of Patrick Mahomes. That means I think a defensive player could be live to win the MVP. Throw in what I said about D Ford and all the angles with his former Chiefs pals. I love him at 100 to 1, 90 to 1, whatever it is, I think you can get really good value on D Ford. Greg, yeah, I mean, you really made me a believer. I mean, at 100 to 1, you know, for a defensive player. Now, now, Greg, what wins him this award? Can you just give me, you know, how I said like a hypothetical um, score for my over? I said 31 27. All right. Or 31 28. Yeah. Give me, give me a what wins D Ford this award and. What doesn't win D Ford this award? Okay, so I'm going to go two sacks and a forced fumble for D Ford. Where, because a lot of times when you have an edge and, and he'll have. Does a, he recover the fumble? Does he recover? Uh, I guess that's, that's uh, really. I'll say yes, just to improve my case. That, okay. That's tough two to, sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Now, now Greg, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is just a question off of it. Does the timing matter? Because often we might see a sack force fumble in the first quarter, but when it comes down to it in the fourth quarter, because of the score and the situation, we suddenly forgot what happened in the first quarter. So does he need to make this sack fumble in the fourth quarter? Um, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I'll go back to another year where we saw a defender win Super Bowl MVP, and it was Malcolm Smith for the Seattle Seahawks uh, against the Denver Broncos. And that was obviously a Super Bowl that that Seattle absolutely dominated in. The first scoring play of that game was a safety. Um, and so, like, if, he, if it's a performance like that where this defense is just head and shoulders above the Kansas City offense and the game actually doesn't even end up being close, then – I don't think the timing really matters because I think then it's just like, oh my gosh, this defense is outstanding. Let's take the guy who had the best performance. But if we're talking about a forced fumble that sets up a short field that, you know, even if it's not a fumble recovery that's ran in for a touchdown, I mean, that would obviously help my case a lot. If we're talking about oh, if he gets a touchdown, Greg, if he gets a touchdown and, and the Niners win, you, you can probably write that up. Unless, unless obviously, uh, someone on the San Francisco 49ers offensive end goes absolutely nuts and, and, you know, accumulates 100 yards and two touchdowns. Right. So, I don't – but to get back to your question, like, I don't think the timing's that important because, ultimately, a, a word I keep saying, it's the narrative. And if the Niners' defense just overall in all four quarters is – 
getting the better of Patrick Mahomes. And if we're just seeing D Ford's name pop up around Mahomes, if the back of the jersey of the closest niner to him is Ford, then his name is going to be in people's minds. So whether he gets those stats in the first quarter or the fourth quarter, I think the bigger thing is the quarterback pressures and the hurries and just keeping his name on people's radars all four quarters. That way, if they are thinking about a defender, the name that they've seen the most is D Ford. Yeah, Greg, uh, you know, it's not a bad play. The only thing I would say is if you do like D Ford, I feel like you just got to sprinkle a little on my man, Nick Bosa, because, sure. because D Ford can have a great game, but he might entail create opportunities for Nick Bosa, right? That we don't always see the sack fumble Nick Bosa might get, but the pressure and the disruption of the pocket might have been created by D Ford. So a lot of times we see defensive linemen work in tandems, obviously. Good so point. I think it would be smart to toss a little bit on Nick Bosa, as I will probably end up tossing a little bit on Nick Bosa and D Ford personally. Hey, I'm glad it was a strong enough handicap. That's all I got, Matt. Anything else to wrap up Super Bowl 54? Yeah, I would say also don't even think about betting on Patrick Mahomes for the Super Bowl. Let me tell you why. Sitting at around plus 100 for the for to win, uh, excuse me, to win the MVP for the Super Bowl, plus 100, the odds just aren't in your favor because instead you can have the entire Kansas City Chiefs team for minus 120. So you're telling me I can pay 20 more cents to have the entire team? It is an absolute no-brainer. Don't think that you're smart by oh, if I like the Chiefs. I'm going to bet Patrick Mahomes to potentially save 20 cents if they lose. No, because if Tyreek Hill has two or three touchdowns or if uh, Travis Kelsey has two touchdowns, like there's just so many things that can go on. Mahomes can have a great game, but another player can go off. A defensive player can make a huge play. Anything. Book, please just bet the Chiefs, their whole team, at minus 120. Don't bet Patrick Mahomes at, at even odds. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, it's obviously uh, something that I'm sure people will think to do. Um, and, yeah, you get the whole team. And uh, is it – I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. Nobody's going to be surprised if Patrick Mahomes is a Super Bowl MVP. But why risk it? You know, like exactly. – Because you could – you were talking about 20 cents, and you could say, oh, I'm saving it. But I would argue just spend it and get the whole roster, you know. Exactly, exactly. So – uh, a good uh, words of advice there on the way out. Matt, that's all I got. Let's enjoy the final football game of the year. I can't wait, Greg. This is going to be one for the ages. Everybody, enjoy your weekends. Not only please gamble responsibly, but hope everybody drinks responsibly as well. I, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm a big proponent that the day after the Super Bowl needs to be a national holiday, but I don't know that we'll ever get there. You know what, Greg? We just might one day. We really just might. <laughs> if it's in my lifetime and before I'm retired, I'll be happy. That, 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 that's all I need. I agree with you. Everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend. Matt and I will be back next week to talk college hoops, NBA, and NHL.